Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Daniel chapter 5 verses 1 through 6. If you remember last week, we looked at Daniel 4. We looked at the story of Nebuchadnezzar and his shaming. How Nebuchadnezzar had grown so great and so prideful that God humbled him. Remember, he had the strange dream of the tree that filled uh, the land. It actually reached up into the heavens, and it fed all the flesh of the world. And God told Nebuchadnezzar that you are represented by this tree, and you will be brought low. You will be cut down. So Nebuchadnezzar was humbled and came to his senses. And now we have a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar in this story, he's really not the king's offspring. He's not his son. But he's one of his descendants. And what's interesting about this story, this is really interesting when you talk to people that doubt the truth of the Bible. For many years, they said, okay, Daniel 5 is an example of where the Bible cannot be relied upon. It's just, it's not reliable at all. It's not telling the truth. And the reason was, many said the king, the final king of Babylon was not Belshazzar. Now we know from this story in chapter 5, this is the final king of Babylon. He will He will die here in this story. So historians and archaeologists looked at it and said, look, the the last king of Babylon was Nabonidus. And Nabonidus uh, died uh, about 500 years before Christ, a little bit longer than 500 years before Christ, but he was the final Babylonian king. And then eventually an inscription was found that told the whole story that actually verified what the Bible said. Nabonidus had gone out of the city of Babylon and taken the army to fight the Persians. Now, we know he fought a decisive battle, the Persians, about 50 miles outside of Babylon, and he was defeated severely. So the Persians win that battle. But he left uh, his son Belshazzar back in charge in Babylon as a co-regency. So literally, Belshazzar was second in command. And that verifies this story because in this story, he's going to offer Daniel the third position in the Babylonian kingdom. You see, he couldn't offer him the second position because he was uh, the second in command. So there was Nabonidus, there was Belshazzar, then he actually appoints Daniel to be third in command. And so a lot of times you see this happen in biblical studies. People say, well, the Bible's not reliable. And, and with the current information, it seems like the Bible contradicts what history would say. And then some type of archaeological find is made, and the Bible is always verified. So this is a great example of where Scripture is true. So I wanted to share that with you before we read our story today. That for the longest people would point to Daniel 5 and say, okay, the Bible's not trustworthy because Belshazzar was not the final king. And actually, through inscriptions, we found he was actually a co-regent with Nabonidus, and he was the final king per se. Well, let's read this, this odd story. Uh, realize that a few phrases we get in our English language come from Daniel 4 and Daniel 5. Uh, the King James Bible made such a huge influence on the English language that a lot of phrases we use come straight from Scripture. So when you talk about feet of clay, that actually comes from the statue found earlier in Daniel chapter 2. When you talk about writing on the wall, someone will say, hey, the writing's on the wall. That actually comes from this chapter in Daniel. So that's kind of cool that those phrases come straight from Scripture. But anyway, here's the first six verses, the English Standard Version, Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded the vessels of gold and silver that Nebuchadnezzar's father had taken 
Out of the temple in Jerusalem he brought that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that they had taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed and his limbs gave away and his knees knocked together. So an interesting story. To understand why this is so insane, this story, what has happened just two days before, and historically we really know exactly what's going on uh, from Babylonian records. There's really well-cut records of what happened right around the fall of Babylon. So two days before this, Nabonidus, which is Belshazzar's dad, took the mighty Babylonian army out into the field to fight the Medo-Persians. When I was a kid, I always thought they were saying the Meno-Persians, but it's the Medes and the Persians, the Medo-Persians. He fights this battle with the Persians. He is defeated soundly, and now the city of Babylon is left without an army to defend it. And the Babylonians have no idea what the Persians are going to do. Sometimes uh, ancient kingdoms would come in and they would uh, there would be set up a sue for peace where they would come together and they would come to some type of vassal arrangement. And so maybe Belshazzar and Nabonidus would be allowed to rule as vassal kings. Maybe that's what Persia is going to do. But actually, that's not what's going to happen. And so in some ways, they're denying reality. So Belshazzar does the very opposite a person probably should do in this case, is he throws the biggest party possible. And it's a hedonistic party. I mean, it's one thing to have your wives there, but also to bring in your concubines shows just the excessive... Um, worldliness of this party. It's a drinking party, so they're having a high time. And he does something very blasphemous. At the height of the party, he brings in the elements from the temple of Jerusalem. So these would be sac sacred vessels. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was not perfect, but he never did things like this. Nebuchadnezzar had his times where he had great hubris, hubris and pride, but typically he would come around and give the God of Israel some type of due and praise. He would never have accepted this type of treatment of the vessels of the people of Israel. So you can see where Belshazzar is a really shabby leader. So in an act of sacrilege, they take the elements of uh, the temple, these holy items, and they defame them by drinking from them and having this drinking party and actually use these items to pay homage to their false gods. And we see God's had enough of this. And literally the writing comes up on the wall. And it scares Belshazzar so much that some would say this description, he's really passing out. He's so afraid at what he sees. So you can imagine the lampstand here is probably the menorah from the temple. So imagine the menorah is uh, taking light and, and it's uh, projecting it up onto the wall, this plaster wall. And on that wall with that light projected, this hand appears and starts to write up on the wall. Now, in our later podcast this week, you'll get to know what that means. That writing is all about and what it means. But for today's podcast, I just wanted to focus on just a few things. First of all, the historical reliability of this story. This really did happen. And you can look at the historical record and the Bible gives a very accurate picture of what happens. We know the very day this happens and the year this happens. Uh, it happens on October the 11th. And now I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but it's it's around 500 and. 50-something maybe. I'm, I'm, I'll have to go back and check and get with you. 
later, probably Friday's podcast, I'll bring that date with me. But I do know it's October the 11th, so it's in the fall when this happens. So this story is historically reliable. Uh, it can be trusted. Scripture can be trusted. But the other part of this, it points out a human problem that we have. It's called whistling past the graveyard. Instead of really thinking deeply about our own mortality and thinking deeply about our own demise, and it is, I think, important for human beings to think about our mortality and the day of our death. I mean, I'm not trying to be morbid or strange or weird, but we do need to think about the day of our death and dying a good death. I say this, and I don't mean this flippantly, but I've been able to witness people die well recently, some some great Christian people that have lived their lives for the Lord, uh, a Christian lady in particular who lived her life for the Lord and and died well and left a heritage of faith behind. And I just think about the idea, do we think about the day of our death? What will people say about us? What's really important to us? And I think that that's really something to think about. As you read this story, Belshazzar's death is upon him, and he knows he's in danger. And he does the right opposite of what he should be doing, and getting his house prepared, getting himself prepared for what's about to come. But instead, it's like this denial of reality. And so many people, I think, in American culture show a denial of death by the way they live. They just live for the day. Uh, they, they try to, you know, and I'm not poking fun at people for this. I'm not saying this is horrible. But people spend thousands of dollars for cosmetic surgery and other things like that to try to look younger, almost like they are denying the onset of time and aging and what happens as you grow older. They won't accept this idea that one day we will return from the ground from which we came. So today in this podcast is two things specifically, the historical reliability of the Bible, but also we can learn a lesson from Belshazzar. This idea of whistling past the graveyard, this idea of denying the day of our death and not thinking deeply about dying well in the Lord. I think it's so important that Christians, the day you're baptized is the day you're preparing for your death. In essence, that's what happened. So start to think about life that way. You're preparing for the day of your death and meeting your Creator, making sure you're in a right condition before you go home to see the Lord. Well, I hope you have a great day. I want, once, once again want to thank you for tuning in these podcasts. It means so much that we have people that listen to these. I hope you're getting something from these. I hope they're not torture for you. I hope they, they actually bring blessing to you in your Bible study time. I hope the text comes alive to you when you hear these things. I hope you, you grow more and more in love with, with the God of Scripture. That's really the key, isn't it? Well, once again, thank you. And tomorrow, Devin will be leading you further into Daniel chapter 5. God bless. 